I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What you're doing is you're creating a continuous improvement mindset in that business. How do we make things better? How do we build more efficiencies in this? How do, what are we doing next? What's the next stage? G'day and welcome to the Farms for Us podcast where we talk everything agribusiness. Today on the show, we have the very passionate Catherine Valicia from Valicia Farms. She's on a mission to create a safe workplace for her workforce, turn them into leaders of their own so they can carry it through in the business, and also educating the younger ones within the industry of horticulture so that there is a solid pipeline later on in the future. But not only to chuck them in a seat, but to educate them and get them passionate about where their food comes from and hopefully they can become a producer and employee of agriculture and horticulture down at Werribee South, Victoria, Australia. So let's get into this episode and see what it's all about. Catherine, Valicia, how are you going? Very good, Jack. How are you? Amazing. Great to have you on. I've had a few questions actually on Instagram um mainly about getting horticulture people onto the podcast it's not in my realm yeah. so it's really good to have you on today oh that's fantastic i'm glad to be of service absolutely so thanks for coming on before we get down to agribusiness as i like to say tell us a bit about yourself Felicia farms how your what your role is and how you worked into your current role of today yeah, so Valicia Farms or the Valicia family has been um, involved in horticulture for about 100 years. Um, my grandfather and two brothers moved to Werribee South from Albania in the 1930s. Um, they did a bit of dairy farming to start with. Uh, then as the war broke out, the Second World War, the Pocopunyal base was just up the road and they needed vegetables. So that kind of changed the area to become vegetable production. Um, irrigation got put in and that's... That's how the Valicia horticulture story started. Um, then That's obviously cool. all the 
yeah, all the sons started working on the farm as the sons did and all the sisters and wives made toast. And um, <laughs> apparently, my, apparently my dad was a real weapon at cutting lettuce or that's what he tells me anyway. So um, they were they were on the farm for, for their, their childhood years really. And then um, Valicia Brothers was formed, which was all the cousins uh, in, in, a, um, in a business. But as they grew up and you know, as it does, everyone kind of went off their separate ways. So there's now four different Valicia brother, uh, Valicia businesses, um, all in horticulture. We all work together still, but it, but it is different. But yes, the Valicia name has been uh, synonymous with horticulture for a very long time. I started working in the family business when I was about 19. Um, I, you know, we, we have a wholesale stand. We also have a production facility and we do some growing. So I've worked in that my whole life in the business in different roles, started just doing, you know, the packing and, and the, the real work, the, re, the real hero work, and then I moved into account management and things like that, sales yep. in the wholesale market, which I can highly not recommend. <laughs> uh, those sleepless nights don't do much. Um, and then uh, a few years ago, I uh, took over the business, bought the business from dad. He was ready for retirement. And um, yeah, I thought, I know this business and uh, I'll, I'll restructure it and rechange it a little bit. And, and, and there we are. And then from there, there's the education business that's evolved from probably really the last three or four years of my um, true leadership and my true kind of uh, vision of what I want the industry to be and what I want people to understand what the industry is, I think, more importantly, because I think the industry has always been a really great, vibrant, opportunistic um, industry, but those stories don't get told and hence why farms advice is is going strong and I think people want to hear those stories as well. I think people are sick of the, the lack stories, not only the people that are in agriculture and horticulture because they know it's not a true reflection, but also yeah. the customers and the consumers you know, we, people want to hear strength, they want to hear vibrancy, they, they want to hear, you know, colour. And I think, you know, all of us younger people or new generations are trying to trying to steer that into a different way well and take that story back. So it's exciting. It's exciting to have a little bit of power over the story. I'm sure you feel the same. Yeah, 100% and able to use our platforms to push what we think agriculture should be, but it's also the new generation coming through. We've all got new ideas coming on for the farm, but also for the future. So move out of the way, Dad, coming through sort of thing. Um, but no, it's working really well and great to have yourself on the podcast. What a sort of background coming, your family coming across. And that set up how Valicia Farm started by feeding the soldiers. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Um, we started, I think they did dairy before. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, there was just that need. And uh, my I, in, uh, my family did do growing back in Albania. But um, so then we, we've come to this area where it was south, which is mainly Italian. Um, we're Albanian. But, and, I, and, and what you still see is that legacy of that Italian migration with the lines that we grow here being broccoli, um, collies. So they were, they were really, they were, you know, they're the Italian kind of veg. Yep. Um, now we do more a bit of celery and iceberg lettuce and things like that. So it's, it's and there's a little fact that Werribee South still supplies about 87% of all of Victoria's cauliflowers and 50% of all broccoli out of just this small area. And if anyone can see it on a map, it is quite a small area and it's 
in, you know, cover, surrounded by housing now because we're so close to the city. So the fact that we're still producing so much is pretty cool. Absolutely. And some two amazing roles that you've got at the moment. Let's get into those a little bit. You're the MD of Valicia Farms. What does this entail? Um, what does your operation look like a little bit? Um, and then we'll dive into some educational elements. Yeah, great. So Valicia Farms is a horticulture business. Um, our main customers are the supermarkets. So uh, we have a packing facility here in Werribee South. We also have a farm in Tatura, which is near Shepparton um, up north. We, we have a couple of farms in Werribee South, but our main model is we have people who grow for us and we um, and we kind of are the distributor and the, and the, and the middleman, I guess. Um, yep. So we take care of the, the compliance and the negotiation with the supermarkets and all the fun things that you do when you're playing this game and then also try to keep the growers happy. So every day is a little bit different. Um, every day I upset someone, but uh, that's, I'm used to that now after 20 years, so that's water off a duck's back. Uh, we, our main lines are just the yeah traditional green veg lines. So we've got zucchinis, um, and we we have a national growing base because supermarkets 12 months a year, risk mitigation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah, zucchinis, kale, spring onions, celery, uh, cauliflower, iceberg lettuce, and broccoli. They're our main lines. So. All like the exciting That's it, like a veggie patch. So, so that's that's what we do. And then, um, yeah. So obviously, we've been doing that for a long time. We have a wholesale market stand in Epping as well. Um, I don't go there as as much as I probably should, uh, but I did do a five year stint there, so I feel like I've I've done my dues. <laughs> I think that's probably the uniqueness that I bring, and we'll touch on the education later. But um. You know, I do really understand the whole supply chain and I think that's what's been able to make me successful as a leader is being able to bring the different areas of the supply chain and understanding how hard the market is and the, and the issues that, that that shows, the growing side, the issues there, the hardness there and obviously the distribution and, and even the customer and, 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 you know, why they feel the way they do and the battles there. So we all know... The supply chain of food is so critical. It is the most critical, and COVID's obviously shown that. But um, I think what's exciting is, and, and I, I know you talk about it on your, on your podcast, all the different other elements too, not just the planting or the growing, but all the all the other jobs and, and um, opportunities that exist around the whole agribusiness space. So, yeah, it's cool. Amazing. Someone once told me, if you're not upsetting someone, you're not doing it right. So... You must be doing oh, something then I'm right. I'm doing a great job. I'm doing a great job, Jackson. <laughs> That's great, you know. <laughs> oh, great stuff. It's always good to see, like in other sort of sectors of agriculture. I see horticulture is pretty fast moving. You have your cycles of your products coming through a lot quicker than what you do broad acre or livestock. So it's pretty cool to dive in and see what it's like in the horticultural world. You're processing on site as well, livestock yeah. and. Broadacre doesn't yeah. really have that, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a very dynamic um, space, and obviously prices fluctuate um, based on growing conditions. Yep. And you know, most vegetable lines that we deal with is you know fourteen to sixteen weeks turnover. Whether you know, so it is changing all, all the time. Um, 
I guess what we all like to and to do, and the supermarkets in particular like to try to commoditize um, fresh produce, and we like to play God a little bit. But the weather always uh, stirs that up usually, so it gives us a very good reminder of who's in charge. Even though we may set our plans for the for the year and what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, um, usually the Mother Nature comes in and says, uh, "Get back in your box, people. This is this is my show, and you guys will just." Uh, work around it so it's also good to be humbled every now and then <laughs> definitely sometimes you reckon the ship's running pretty tight but then environment comes climate weather comes to slap you in the face and put you back down that's it that's it and put you back in your place on to veg education tell me all about this and what inspired it and where's it going so this started before covid so a couple of years ago um we we were you know i was I took over the business. There were some key issues that I knew in our business that I think needed to be addressed. Um, English as a second language, we had a really great workforce and I wanted them to become leaders, but um, their English wasn't good enough for that to occur. And I didn't want to be in a place where in five or 10 years time, I just kept hiring on top of them. So yep. we had a really robust conversation around it, uh, around English and we the first step in the education space was to put in a tailor-made program for some of the key leaders within the business. From there, um, I personally was, I knew there was a lot of safety things that needed to be improved on the business, um, but I was really scared around that and I didn't know the cost around that. So like a lot of people do from a fear base, I kind of ignored it, even though I knew there was an issue. We had a small incident, thankfully it was only small, and then we got in a external person, which was who is now my business partner in veg education, but he was a safety lawyer and um, HR lawyer. So we started working through the safety, some of the safety issues. And his he's, uh, understanding was that you're not alone, Catherine, and we knew this, but this is a common problem. This is a common issue. Um, how, how, do, how, do we, how do we talk about that there are fixes, that it's not so daunting? How do we encourage people to take the first steps? How do we facilitate those first steps instead of just blaming farmers all the time? Because I think we get blamed for a lot of things um, and there's not many solutions that are put on the table. So from that, we started veg education and then COVID hit and what really that made us realise was this could become much bigger than what we thought it would be. And then we started the RTO journey. So we're now a registrated training organisation. So you can get accredited courses through us. So that's how we started. And then during COVID, there were some opportunities around doing some school groups. So we started the school group. So now we're pretty much like a P, a primary to university um, uh yeah, school that we're, that I really think can evolve. Um, I don't think it has a cap. I don't think it has a limit. And I think what's really different and where we're starting to really get some traction is that we're able to bring people together and that's industry bodies and that's growers alike and that's um, government even. You know, there's been some really interesting conversations and I think for once, like I said when I, I touched on it, understanding the supply chain and not, not blaming anyone but trying to find solutions is, is probably where we're going to be able to kind of step ourselves apart a bit. And, you know, clearly I like to talk, so that helps a bit too. So, you know, well, all in all, we think we've got a bright future ahead. Well, it makes for a good podcast. I won't <laughs> stop you at all. But, yeah, what you're doing, it sounds great that you're trying to 
make the workers that are currently with you even though their English isn't up to scratch and get that up, develop it and turn them into the leaders that could possibly turn your company around um, and probably also helps retention in horticulture for employees is like no other sort of sector of agriculture. How have you found yeah. that um, part of, of it, upskilling your workforce? Uh, well, that, that, well, myself, I went off, um, I'd worked in the family business for forever and I got to a point, you know, we get, you get to those pointy years where you think, oh, I can't keep working under dad. This is, you know, this is, it's, it's either him or me. So I, I went off and did a, a, just a, a degree. So I went and did a youth work degree when I was about 28, 30, not really for anything, just to see what I was made of, to see, you know, if I could do something. And I did that. And by doing that education myself, what it did was give me such a huge confidence around my own abilities. But what it also did was it made me show what I liked about what, what you know, what, what I was in. And sometimes you need that perspective, you know, because when you're in that kind of mindset, everything's just uh, 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 and you've done it for so long. So that refreshed me. And then it, I really, for the first time, understood the importance of education as an ability to to make you see and interact in the world differently. So that's when I thought about taking the business over from Dad and I never thought about it and it was never like a succession plan. That was the first step. And then from there, seeing the, the you know, and the boys, I call them the boys because they are a group of leadership boys, um, putting them through the English courses and see, it's seeing also their, not just their ability to speak English improve, but their confidence and then their yeah. ability to interact and the way they push themselves further and the next steps and the challenges. So that was just the cornerstone of how important education is and how important relevant education is, you know, like, so with all of that in mind, that's, so we've seen a really, a real change in culture here because we've got people who've worked in the business for 10 years, you know, who know it better than anyone who are now got the skill sets to lead those groups. And, and if you don't have people in leadership that represent your workforce, you, it's you've got you've already got a huge barrier of engagement there so it's been it's been really really important for us and you know one of my passions is to have our leadership represent our workforce and whatever that is um whoever that is i think it's really important that their voices are heard higher up the chain so you know that's that's been really important and, and it's really added value to our business and we feel like we can take that a bit further and, and take that message out to more people in all sorts of agriculture. You know, upskill your good your good people but turn them into good leaders, not just take good workers and stick them into leadership and destroy their careers. And the reason I also know that is because I've done that a lot in the past too. So <laughs> it's been it's been a learning of there's some probably some people listening to this thinking, gee, she killed me 10 years ago. Why didn't she do this for me? But anyway, you live and you learn. <laughs> yeah, that's it for sure. And it probably just all stems from that initial bit of offering the opportunity to upskill their English and then it builds their confidence and then they're more likely to motivate those around them working and also can lead to more profitable outcomes for the business but also for themselves yeah. as they move up the grades of your structure. And that's how you retain people exactly. You give them opportunities to, to grow career. We all want career growth, regardless of how that looks. Or even if you're an owner of your own business, you still want to grow and develop. You can't do the same thing all the time. There needs to be new challenges, new conversations. And, of course, your workforce is no different. And I think horticulture has fallen into that trap for a lot, where we either like owner, 
occupier where we think, oh, why doesn't someone want to work for me 30 years on a minimum wage and just rock up every day? Like, none of us would accept that. So, and we're wondering why we can't do that. So, it's really important creating those funnels too of um, of career growth. And I think that's how you do attract pickers and packers. And we've kind of based veg education a lot around the hospitality industry. And I think they were in a very similar spot to horticulture, say, about 15 years ago, really hard to get workers, bad image, lots of negative conversations. And what that industry did was it focused on education and training. And it also focused on changing the conversation it was having with consumers through the restaurateurs, through the chefs. And that's the other thing that we really like doing too is is presenting a different face, a different energy around horticulture and letting us as producers talk directly to our consumers and customers. So, you know, we're on My Market Kitchen and we do a few different things that have really pushed me out of my comfort zone. But I think it's really important, like, like this podcast, is for us to hold the conversations and to bring the energy and to to dictate what's being spoken about too, you know, not just being dictated to, which I think for a long time that's what it's been like in agriculture and horticulture. Yeah, absolutely. I see there's a huge opportunity for individuals to use their own platform or to even to create one rather than leaving it up to associations or waiting for that agricultural government handout that you never end up getting in the end and it only ends up to be 12,000 after four years of drought or something um don't wait for a handout just start doing it and act yourself um i'd always like to know what happened if i didn't start the podcast but in a few more years we'll have more impact i think so it's all you got to start somewhere don't you you do. And, and and two, if we talk about if it's adding some value to your career and you're enjoying it, that's also, you know, something you can't quantify. And I'm so glad even if the education business um, isn't as successful as what I think it will be, even though I do, uh, what I've done is I've been able to grow my career and reach out and do things like farm advice and stuff like that. These opportunities have only come because I've tried something else and not just stayed in the shed like you, you know, different yeah. opportunities. And that adds value to your career as well, you know. If it's, we're not just talking about money. Yeah, you have to have something that gets you, gets you going. And, you know, we've been doing these jobs for a very long time. It's hard to find new ways to be refreshed and motivated. So it's good trying new things regardless of, if, if, if you get 10 billion viewers or only one, as long as you're enjoying it, really. <laughs> Thanks to mum for listening to the podcast, the one listener. Um, but, yeah, no, you're... Once I've finished this one, so don't <laughs> Well, your energy is in capturing of, like, what you're trying to do and push, and I imagine that's passed on down to your workforce. But throughout the pandemic, how hard or wasn't Valicia Farms hit by, like, the labour lack of labour? initially we were, we're pretty lucky um like i said we're close to the city um yeah. our lines aren't seasonal so we're able to hold a workforce and we've got quite a steady loyal workforce that we've carried through you know for 10 to 15 years so i must admit we've been we've been very lucky touch wood we didn't even have any sort of COVID outbreaks or scares which i probably now jinx myself for tomorrow but fingers crossed so yeah, we were really lucky, but definitely for, you know, those more regional areas that have seasonal, it's a really big problem. And I guess that's also why we're creating um, 
a thing like veg education, there needs to be lots of different streams of people coming in and employment. So, you know, there is backpackers, that's one good stream. There's obviously, you know, the, the workers from overseas with the different visas and the different packages that we do, they're another great stream. But we also have to try to start creating a bit of our own workforce from young people wanting to get into it. And that's a longer term stream. And that's why we do the school groups. That's why we do the interaction like you're doing. You know, people aren't going to come to an industry unless the opportunities are spoken about, you know. So that's what we try to do, talk about the opportunities, talk about the different job roles. And we really feel like, particularly in horticulture, some people that might not get these really great opportunities under the industries for, for barriers, you know, that can be discussed for, for, for a very long time. But there's a real place in horticulture um, for... For, for migrants, for, for people with uh, entrepreneurial spirit, with people, you know, like we are the traditional kind of startups, the traditional entrepreneurs, agriculture, horticulture, you know, you buy a bit of land, you take a risk, you put some plants in, you know. As soon yeah. as you put tech on it, it sounds more exciting, but really we're, we're the original, we're the original go-getters, you know, we just haven't marketed it as well. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I think there's so much room for digital people in the agricultural field but also those in the laboring jobs but it does just doesn't have to be thinking about i'm going out there to pick potatoes you're going out there to contribute to probably one of the biggest harvests within australia's history um but also fill a vital link in the supply chain yep and to where do those jobs can grow that's the importance about those businesses creating those jobs the ever evolution of those careers absolutely and Let's touch on safety on farms and specifically within horticulture for yourself. How is this, like what spurred you on there? Has there been, you said you had a little scare previously um, that's made you aware of what you need to be doing on farm, but also for education as well. How's that played out? Well, I I did know before the scare, that was probably just the issue that I was uh, able to then bring in someone external who gave me some easy solutions. And I think that was, that was the first bit of going, oh, this isn't as daunting Mm. as what I've made it out in my head. So fear, getting rid of fear, but uh, you know, agriculture has the most deaths um, per, for, for any industry based on GDP. So that's a pretty horrific statistic. Um, horticulture is a part of that so and and we know just from our own experience uh, Neil who's who's the you know our, the safety lawyer the partner in this he's he's had it you know unfortunately he's had to be at fatalities he's had to deal with the real pointy end of things and in fairness I just I I, I can see it from both sides that every worker deserves to be safe um, when they go to work how do we a empower them to to take some of that um, to have some education and ability to to interact safely for themselves, particularly if English is a second language? So trying to break down those barriers, and also um, helping the business owner who, let's be honest, ninety nine percent of us want to do the right thing. No one, you know, there's there's not many many of us who want anything bad to happen at work, but. It's also not our strengths or our skill sets. You know, we haven't maybe learned these things. So it's it's about creating something that's really functional for people in horticulture and agriculture broadly to use that improves their business and improves the safety for, for everyone. Does it go in play with um, like offering a systematic approach to it? 
making sure there's a process to how things are ran and everyone is on board of that rather than just go ad hoc. Um, I go here, you go there, and this is that. Well, I think safety is really an important way of changing culture in a business. And, and I know when we talk about safety, it sounds pretty boring and everyone glazes over and, and I'm no different. I fall into that position as much to discuss of everyone else. Um, oh, we talk about safety again. But safety really changes culture in business. And that's then also how you attract different types of people. So if you've got a safe environment, what you're doing is you're creating a continuous improvement mindset in that business. How do we make things better? How do we build more efficiencies in this? How do, what are we doing next? What's the next stage? And retain workers. It comes back to the boring old word safety, unfortunately. But, yeah, we try to make it a little bit more exciting. <laughs> I think you need to as well, but like safety is the core of agriculture. If we have no safety barriers or measurements in place, um, we can't actually carry out our jobs day to day. And I think as we, the more we get on, the more we're all looking at safety measures within one person operations up to 500 people operations. It's vital for whoever's on, on the farm and those who come on it just temporarily as well. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. And also, veg schools. Tell us a little bit about this and how it's been received by the children down south. This is this has been our this has been our um I guess our our real silent achiever. Well, not that silent, but I, I didn't have any kind of comprehension of, about how um how much it would be embraced. So. Unfortunately, we had lockdown, which slowed us down a bit. But before lockdown, we had about 40 schools booked in. Wow. So they came here, they spent two hours with us. Um, we align it to the food and fibre curriculum in, 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 the, um, in the studies that they do at school. So we make it nice and easy for the teachers. And they get to spend two hours learning about production horticulture. And I just, you know, um, I'm quite a matter-of-fact person. We've got a couple of ex-school teachers who are also build in the, the uh, activities and the curriculum. And we just really tell people about, you know, the different uh, issues around specifications and the different um, challenges there. We try to make them aware of the power as a consumer. We try to make them aware of you know, the importance of, of, of production horticulture, but also some of the negatives and, and just empowering kids to also then to get excited and emotionally charged about their food and, and how much goes into it, but also just about their, maybe their space in it. And I always use the analogy, I remember why I went to Queenscliff and I um, touched a starfish down at the Marine Biology uh, Centre and I think I wanted to be a marine biologist for 10 years. So hopefully they come here, they touch the lettuce and then they want to be a farmer for 10 years and maybe one out of 10 actually becomes a farmer. So it's just about that. But it's it's a lot of fun. And like I said, it adds a lot of value to my own um, enjoyment about everything as well. So that that can't be, um, you know, diminished either. So all in all, it's been really good. We've got schools booked in for next year already um, lined up. So, yeah, it's been really exciting. Amazing. So these school children actually coming out onto farm and seeing how it all works and you're running it through yeah. rather than stuck in a classroom looking at a screen smart board whatever they've got in schools these days yeah so we've created like a living classroom so we've changed one of the rooms the cool rooms into a classroom they get to sit on pallets there's a telly screen you know it's a very immersive experience i get to live out my inner wiggle 
Um, yeah, so all in all, it's it's pretty good. They get to go into cool rooms. You know, we talk about the different restrictions on things, you know, time in field, shelf life, et cetera, et cetera. Like I said, it's, it's, it's you know, it's really just a matter of fact thing. But I do, last week we had a school group here and one of the children said to me, this is like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. <laughs> and I and I thought, oh, isn't that beautiful? Like that's not how I feel about this place at all, but isn't this beautiful? Isn't this beautiful? That's how someone feels about it. So it does bring a smile to your face, which is good. You'll have to start hiding your golden ticket in one in one million yes. broccolis. That's it. I know. Yeah, I agree. But that's where it all starts. That's the foundational of it and how we can get some interest on farm. It has to start from a younger age, I believe, because all of us work in agriculture now, we've probably all started, um, especially working on farms, started as a young person, in the community or actually living on farm which is really important and it's great to see that these schools are using that initiative in time it probably takes the kids off the teachers for a couple of hours of enjoyment they're quite grateful but yeah it's really good it's it's been really really well received so and even the teachers learn something you know there's a lot of things about specifications that people don't understand you know we talk about the weather and and I think it's really important, particularly with vegetables being such a low cost item, people put low value on it. So explaining about the input, the risk, the amount of effort and love and land and time that gets put into something that because you walk into the shop and it's a dollar fifty, you think it has no value, but really this is this is what it takes for that to occur. And that's a really thing that the story that I'm passionate about to really add value and I think that helps you might be seeing us at the vegetables but I think that helps all things including grains and and meat and that real understanding about how many steps and people are involved in something that you just thought kind of popped out of a supermarket shelf no it doesn't (laughs) yeah it really adds perspective of how that product got there and I see a lot of farmers are starting to look at value adding if not they've already started value adding so they can actually see that product come to fruition and it, see it sold or wholesale or at retail prices. It is very cool yep. to see. And within horticulture, you're all packaged and ready to go straight into the shops. So it's very nice to yep. see your products. We don't really wrap up our lambs ready to go. No, no, unfortunately. But great, great to see and hear what's all going down with Valicia Farms and yourself, Catherine. Great to have you on. Hopefully a few farmers can take a little bit of your energy. I was a bit sapped this afternoon, so you've livened me up and ready to talk ag. That's good. Thank you. So Thank you. Yourself, I try. Absolutely. That's all you can do. So for yourself, next five to 10 years, where do you see your RTO, your training, and also like the veg school and everything of Valicia? Where do you want it to go? I think there's a real huge opportunity for overseas. So I think we will be looking at taking um, the RTO overseas and, and making some sort of kind of funnel for the horticulture, agriculture um, industry for overseas students. Um, also, I think the, um, there's a real chance to change some legislation around induction. Um, I think there should be mandatory like a white card induction for, um, for farms, for all farms. I think there needs to be a basic learning um so i guess between a bit of lobbying a bit of taking the business multinational and throwing in some school groups that should keep me busy for the next five to ten years (laughs) absolutely that white card for agriculture is a bit of an interesting one i haven't heard about that 
I've heard like making agricultural like diplomas a trade or like agriculture a trade like it is being a builder as such. Um, but that white car that might be that might work. Same as your RSA, your RCG, working in a pub, you need to pass something to be able to do it. And I think that what what that does is it 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 makes um everyone responsible for safety and not just not just on one person or another. There's a there's a more of a there's a framework to work from. So you know that's important. There's only so much um sometimes law is the way to, to, to create really big change. So hopefully we can get some traction there and, and that will benefit everyone in the industry, in all industries, I would suggest, all agriculture industries. Definitely all guns blazing at Felicia Farms. So for yourself and your travels experiences, what would be one piece of farms advice you'd pass on to a school kid, but also a mature person within agriculture? I think it's, make decisions, um, just make decisions. And then if they're the wrong decisions, just fix it. Like don't don't not do stuff. I think when I haven't made decisions or I've left things to um, go on, uh, that's when it's caused me the most grief. So it's about honestly, obviously just trusting your instincts a bit, but even if you do get it wrong, nothing is worse than no decision-making. So just keep going. And um, tomorrow's always, there's always another day. So there's always another battle. So don't get caught up on the one you're in because there'll be another one coming around the corner. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that one, like being indecisive, is pretty well played out right across agriculture for farmers making the decision. They're the sole decision maker on farm, yeah. just one or two of them. There's a manager. Um, so, yeah, that is very important. Great farms advice. Thank you. So for anyone looking to get in touch with yourself, veg yes. school, um, vegetation, and also Felicia Farms, how can we reach out to yourself? So uh, we're on Instagram, we're on all the platforms of Instagram and socials and LinkedIn and everything like that. But go to vegeducation.com um, and send us an email and we can talk about any of the courses that are coming up and all the other products, which um, we're really excited about now that COVID's left us here in Victoria. I feel like we've been let off the leash a bit. So yes, 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 fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed, Jack. Absolutely, well, fantastic. For anyone in the horticultural space, who is someone else you'd like to hear on the Farm Size podcast and why? Oh, okay. Um, geez. Oh, this I haven't thought. Uh, Interesting would be John Sade. He's a neighbour down here. He runs Fresh Select. Um, he's got a very forward vision. Uh, and um, also maybe Michael Simonetta from Perfection Fresh. There are a couple of people who have mentored me and helped me. So I think either of them would have a lot of um, really, uh, really top end, uh, long vision advice. Much more than I, much more than I've got. <laughs> Amazing. We need some more forward thinkers thinkers on the podcast so thanks for coming on i'm sure we'll be in touch very soon thanks thanks for tuning in to the farms vice podcast and for Catherine for coming on and showing us her expertise in horticulture and for seeing how she is continually enhancing her own workforce and also looking to educating others within australia and also across the globe later on So we wouldn't be able to do this without you as a listener. So if you did get something out of this episode, please share it with your mates, with your family, 
or even with your work crew to see how you can motivate them and get something out of it as well. So it's nearly coming up to Christmas, so Merry Christmas and we'll have a couple more episodes to go, but share the podcast, give it a review and we'll see you next Tuesday. Keep on farming. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.